Thank you guys again for supporting the podcast. In case you guys didn't know, I'm really trying to work on growing my social media presence, either on Instagram and on Twitter. So make sure you guys give me a follow over there of at Jason Hill is both handles. It's also in the show description. It's a quick way to link over. This is the best way to also ask me about questions or topics you would like future podcasts on. Also, if you haven't already, make sure you check out the YouTube channel. It has a lot of these topics just in video format. It's just another medium for you guys to check it out. And so that is a good way to also get some jujitsu help. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Secrets podcast. My name is Jason Hill. Hopefully everyone had a good weekend today. This podcast should be coming out on a Monday. And uh, part of the reason why I like doing this podcast is not only just to give you guys clear jiu-jitsu advice, but it's kind of also to share experiences and like stories and to keep you guys updated with what I'm doing in my own jiu-jitsu. Because ultimately, I think people like hearing that. I like being involved in jiu-jitsu, whether it's like advice or connections or stories or, or whatever, right? And uh, just kind of keeping up to date with just general stuff gives you guys good jiu-jitsu content to to digest. So this weekend, we had uh, Henry Akins come out to the school that I teach and train out of here in Edmond, Oklahoma. I don't know if I've ever said actually where, where I train, but I train out in an academy called Redline um, in Edmond, Oklahoma. So if you guys are ever in Oklahoma, please come by and, and see me. Um, it's, it's outside Oklahoma City, basically. And uh, Henry is, in case you guys don't know, Henry Akins is a black belt under Hickson. Um, I believe he's like the third American black belt. He was, Hickson doesn't have very many American black belts. He, he bounced between America and Brazil for a lot of his life. Um, so having a student get a black belt that's purely in America is, is hard to find someone who has trained with him that much in America. Um, you know, a little bit about Henry's background, which is super fascinating, is that, you know, he basically picked up everything when he was, he's from Oklahoma. That's why he comes back here. He's, he's from the same town that I live in. And so he comes back, his family's here. But he basically made a decision in like the late 90s that, you know, he was going to save up money, pick up everything and just move. And this is when jujitsu was like very hard to find. You know, you, you had to like know where to look. You had to know someone who knew someone to like let you in. It was almost like a speakeasy. You know, you couldn't just Google and find a jiu-jitsu school. You know, maybe if they were smart enough to put it in a phone book, you could find someone who had done that. But majority of the people, you know, had no idea where to find a jiu-jitsu school, you know, what it was and all this stuff. So he just picked up and, and moved because nothing here was in Oklahoma. We had zero jiu-jitsu here at that time. Um, Henry describes it that like finding someone who was a blue belt was like a unicorn, right? So it's pretty cool to hear those experiences and those stories to me. The reason why I like to hear that, I know some people be like, oh man, that's like war stories. That's terrible to hear. I hate hearing that stuff. Well, to me, it just gives me appreciation for the art because, you know, it's grown so much and it's easier for people to find, you know, I'm, I'm appreciative of that versus the old school days where you, you really had to know somebody. Um, part of me kind of wishes I could have experienced those days because it just it sounds cool to be a part of something that most people didn't even know existed and you had this like secret power, superpower, you know, type idea. So anyway, Henry came in and, uh, you know, it's always good to hear that stuff. And Henry's jujitsu is very um, basic 
And I don't mean that in a negative way, and, and he wouldn't even take it in a negative way because that's literally how he explains it. But he's basic in the way that he has really studied and really tried to amplify the basic ideas of how a technique works. So he taught two seminars. He taught one about mount escapes, and he taught another one about self-defense stuff, which was cool. I'll talk a little bit about both. But for the mount escape, we literally did a you know, two hour seminar over the elbow escape. And, you know, he had some really good points talking about, you know, why the elbow escape a lot of times fails or what he sees a lot of students trying to do or, or kind of some key concepts that have been not necessarily lost, but maybe they just were never known. You know, jujitsu is a giant game of telephone. You know, it's getting better now with instructionals and people can put stuff on video, but then you have to have people that have the attention span to watch a video and actually like digest it which is another whole problem in itself. But, you know, for such a long time, jiu-jitsu was passed around like a telephone. And so, you know, maybe some details were missed. Maybe a really good black belt who learned from another really good black belt, maybe they just didn't get every single detail, remember every single thing, you know, that's going to happen. Stuff is going to get lost in translation. So it's very good to see, um, you know, someone who kind of brings back those kind of ideas and really refines that. And, um, you know, a lot of people would say that Henry spent probably the most time on the mat with Hickson when Hickson was in his prime. Crone was only, Crone was, Crone is younger than Henry. So if you guys go back and watch the documentary Choke, which I highly recommend, if you guys haven't watched it, you definitely should. That's kind of like one of the only jujitsu documentaries that kind of follows somebody. It was, it was following Hickson when he was I think building up to fight, um, <laughs> speaking of Oklahoma, the guy from Oklahoma, he trained at um, Apollo's gym in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He was a kickboxer. Um, so they were following Hickson up to the build up to this fight. You know, he's doing this exercises on the beach and all this stuff. Well, Henry was training with Hickson around that time. And Crone was only like a kid. So Crone didn't really train much with Hickson, to my knowledge, until he became an adult. But Henry was training with Hickson when Crone was a kid and, and, um, you know, when Hickson was in his prime. So there's not many people that know a lot of the stuff that he does. Um, you, you see a lot of people who are kind of, uh, talking about it now, like, um, you know, even though Danaher is amazing, uh, a lot of the techniques that he shows, they're, they're very principle based. They're very fundamental. They're to very fundamental ideas, um, which, you know, he's a black belt under Henzo and Henzo trained a lot under Hickson as well, too or with Hickson, not under, but with. So it's just interesting to see kind of these principles or these um, principles is, is a weird word. Um, these basic fundamental ideas of basically sticking with a technique, understanding why the technique was created, and then not throwing it away when it doesn't work for the first time, right? So he really went deep into the elbow escape and he talked about... Um, the the main problems that happen you know he goes around and and teaches i don't know he says he teaches like 20 to 25 30 seminars a year if you're a struggling jiu-jitsu student that is really looking for some more help and guidance and trying to figure out what you should be training and the next steps in your jiu-jitsu journey i have an online program called the jiu-jitsu blueprint for lifelong development make sure you hit me up at jasonhill.com and I do an interview to make sure that you're a good fit, make sure the program would actually benefit you so that way your time's not wasted and neither is mine. Thank you guys again for supporting the podcast and we'll get on to the episode. And 
I think that's really important because he gets a lot of data on the questions that are asked of him and what problems people are experiencing. And um, he says, you know, he's been doing this for a long time and he's kind of slows, slowly sees certain problems and he, he keeps up with some competition. Um, he said he was actually at the Gordon Ryan, Nicky Rodriguez match that was in Vegas. Cause that's where he lives is in Vegas. I wish I would have gotten his take on his thought at the match, but I, I didn't get a chance to talk to him about that. But, um, you know, so he keeps up with some stuff and then he goes around and teaches. So I, I think it's really cool that he tries to solve the problems of students with very simple and fundamental ideas. So that was really neat to him talk about the difference between the elbow escape, the shrimp escape, the umba escape, and like when he would use one versus the other and how he basically only uses like two escapes, just different variations and like just kind of bringing it back to, to basic, you know, bringing it back to the fundamental, you know, um, jujitsu, you can only hold the body down in so many ways. So only, only so many ways that people can cross their feet or hook their legs or hold your head or, you know, whatever. So there, there's only these set things but it's like when we when one thing doesn't work when we're showed it instead of trying to like adjust it and make it work we just try to learn a new technique and he went on a whole good um philosophy strategy on that which which i really enjoyed that's a lot of this uh podcast and a lot of really what i try to help with the jiu-jitsu community in as well too um then the second one was the self-defense and self-defense was was really good um you know fortunately i come from a school that we heavily emphasize self-defense from day one, but a lot of jiu-jitsu schools do not. A lot of jiu-jitsu schools, if they show any self-defense, it's like right before they get their black belt. But, um, you know, some schools don't don't even show it at all. You know, it's all about the competition and 100%, a lot of the self-defense things like wrist grabs and um, headlocks and, and certain things, they're, they're not going to be applicable in initially a jiu-jitsu match, but they're applicable in real life. And I hear this debate all the time that, well, you know, like you take a really good jiu-jitsu black belt, like someone who is a black belt, even if they're not a competition person, but they are, they're not like an elite competition person, but they compete and they do okay in competition and they can hang in there with good black belts and all that stuff. That person is going to be able to protect themselves in a street fight. I a hundred percent agree. But the problem is, is that my goal or I think how self-defense should be taught is if you come to me and I do and I teach you a class and you're wanting to do self-defense, my goal is that you have enough understanding of the scenario, what can happen to you and why you should be trying these techniques. So that way, if, if that scenario happened to you tomorrow, you could actually somewhat pretend you could actually protect yourself or at least do better than you did before. If you, if we only go by the metric or the idea that world champion black belts can protect themselves in a street fight and, you know, we use them as an example, well, it takes like 10 to 12 years to become that good for most people. So you're telling me I got to wait almost 10 to 12 years before I can be self-defense proficient. That is ridiculous. Like you're at this art, there's, there's like a superpower art to where if I can literally show you like 20 or 30 classes and just give you that idea, I can show you most of the self-defense techniques and you won't even need to know 99% of anything else. Now, I think you should because I think there's a benefit of learning how to do jiu-jitsu versus jiu-jitsu because it's a way you can train under resistance. And that's a whole that's a whole separate topic and tangent for another day. 
but I, I, I don't, I think that's a cop out. When I hear people say that you shouldn't like, don't focus on any self-defense until you're a black belt or you can handle yourself if you're a jujitsu black belt. I, I don't disagree, but at the same time, that doesn't mean we shouldn't show people the self-defense stuff earlier. And that's because we're trying to get everyone up to par for sparring earlier. We're trying to get them ready for competition. So why would I focus on anything self-defense if I'm getting ready for competition where none of those techniques are going to be used? And when I say techniques, um, let me give you an example. So Henry was talking about this idea that if someone stands up in front of you, kind of like an intimidation approach, you know, someone is getting close to your face, you know, they're getting chin to chin. And, you know, there's a thing called a sucker punch or a short elbow where they could hit you right in the face and just understanding like, how you would hold your base and understanding what techniques you're going to do is very much triggered off of what the other person's going to do. And, and if you train that a lot, but then you go into a jiu-jitsu competition and a guy squats down into like a double leg position, like a wrestling stance, those are way too different ideas. Now I could still do a double leg or a body clinch out of both scenarios, but I haven't trained the entries on how to do it on someone who is wrestling me. I've trained the entries more on someone who is trying to intimidate me and approaching me in a self-defense oriented fashion. I really hope that makes sense to people because people who say that they're the same, it is not the same at all. It is way too different things. It is, it is not the same. You cannot say that, oh, because you're learning a double leg for self-defense, you know, you're, you're going to be able to double leg people in a competition. Not necessarily, um, especially off the triggers and everything. So, you know, usually what I see with my students is because they, we teach a lot of self-defense in the beginning, they don't necessarily do, you know, the best at white and blue belts. But after mid blue belts and they start training and they start learning more sportive ideas and they start learning the rules, getting everything in, they start to do fine. And then at purple belt, it evens out. So I don't really care how students do at blue and white belt. Like I don't make them feel bad. I don't tell them like they did a terrible job. I don't make them feel like I don't give them less attention because they did bad, because ultimately I don't care. My goal is to keep you around until like purple belt, especially if you're wanting to be competition, because that's really where the true work starts to happen and the true um, accolades start to matter and the true skill starts to get refined. I, I could care less at white and blue belt how someone does. Those are just trials, right? So um, I, think, I think the self-defense, in my opinion, is usually what most people come in the door for. And so um, giving that to them earlier is a key thing. So it was really cool to see him give all of these ideas about how to do standing self-defense. You know, he also talked about that. What he would do is he would teach jiu-jitsu at night. You know, he would teach the night classes. You know, they'd get done at eight, nine o'clock at night. And then he would go bounce in LA's like best nightclubs. He said he, he would work um, a rotation between, you know, the 10 to 15 best nightclubs in LA and, uh, you know, a lot of young guys, you know, a lot of alcohol, a lot of ego. And so just understanding what he would do inside of clubs and, and, and the moves and the techniques that he really implemented and like how to prevent the fight from going to the ground if it had to. So things like that, that um, is very good for self-defense and philosophy that doesn't always get translated if you're just a sportive guy or you've never been, you've never thought about that. So it was a very good seminar. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, I will uh, be sharing more information with you guys here soon. Hey everyone, take it easy. Have a good rest of your day. If you guys are really enjoying this podcast, I'd greatly appreciate it if you left me some reviews, maybe some five stars, whether you're listening to this on Audible, Spotify, 
Apple Podcasts. Make sure you guys leave this five stars, leave some nice words. Also share it with a friend. You know, I don't charge anything for these podcasts and my goal is just to grow it and help the jiu-jitsu community. So thank you guys for supporting and I'll see you guys later.